for 10 years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. Welcome to hour number four. It's the 10 o'clock hour of Rosie on the House. This is our On the House hour where we dive deep into one specific topic on your house, home, castle, or cabin. And all month long in April, if you've been following our home maintenance calendar, you know we've been talking hard surfaces coming up in May. We're going into remodeling. June is solar. Each month, we break it down into four or five, depending on how many Saturdays we have different topics. So we can really spend a lot of time going deep on a particular topic. We're going down to floors here. And we brought Vaughn Payne in of East Valley Floors with this new product he's brought in that you say is as close to the perfect floor as we have on the market today. That is correct. Is this more perfect than a stained concrete floor? Absolutely. Okay. I've covered up a number of floors that had been stained because in reality, um, concrete is going to wear just like anything else will. And there's a beauty issue. The other concern about concrete floors is most houses have foundation cracks in them, and those cracks cannot be hidden. On occasion, a company can put a decorative pattern that kind of camouflages the cracks in the floor, but a good portion of the time you can still see the foundation cracks. Or if there's a control joint that's a straight run, that's hard to camouflage too. The first thing I thought about this product when I looked at it, when you talk about the most perfect flooring, I see this, and this can go on top of a lot. You don't need to worry about cutting door jams or uh, space requirements. This is this is not much thicker than a, a floating R-deck surface you're using to level out the floor in some cases. It, it averages anywhere from 5 to 8 millimeters thick. What we're talking about are what we call waterproof core floors or rigid core floors. And they are similar to the Pergo floors of days gone by in that they are constructed with a locking tongue and groove snap system, but they are floating. They do not adhere directly to the floor, uh, concrete or wood, either either one. It is very forgiving for a house that may have foundation cracks. It will not follow the cracks of the floor. And they also will give you um, a little more cushion and a little more uh, ease on your joints if you're standing on the, uh, say, in the kitchen quite a bit. It's a very forgiving floor. What's it made out of? The core is a uh, urethane, and they've spent all sorts of efforts trying to rename and nickname every (laughs) product. Every brand has different acronyms, and there's literally over a dozen different three-letter, four-letter acronyms to differentiate one brand from another. The reality is most of them are just pure uh, urethane cores. The top layer is usually a a very high-grade polyurethane that will take wear and tear. The warranties on these floors go anywhere from 25 years to 50 years. We have several of our brands that give you a lifetime wear guarantee to the original owner. So again, it is getting closer and closer to the perfect floor. It really is. And in my own house last spring, we did a remodel and addition. And so I tore out a lot of uh, laminate flooring, which had a particle board core and I put all new flooring in all of the living areas of my house, which is about 2,200 square feet. And it is this floating uh, waterproof core. I live on an acre. I've got two dogs. I've got nine grandkids. So it's a busy house. And when you say floating, I mean, this really is just sitting on top of the concrete foundation. This is sitting on top of 
old flooring you've got over sure. tile. I mean, Plywood. I don't think you'd want to put it over carpet. <laughs> no, no, they have some restrictions on that. But you certainly can install most of these directly over a concrete or a tile area. And the grout joints usually don't even need to be filled in before you lay this new floor. The grout joints of the old tile floor. Correct. Correct. This can just go right over the top. Mm-hmm. Now, do you ever hear the floor underneath it do you, when you step on it? Can Does, you know, if you've got a low spot on the other floor, can... The short answer is yes. You can hear or feel what we call trampolining if there's a low spot in the other floor. But that's the contractor's responsibility. We as a flooring contractor have to level that out to industry standards. Um, in my house and one end of the hallway, there's one little bitty piece that I hear when I step out of my bedroom, and it drives me crazy, so that'll be taken care of sometime. <laughs> as soon as Julie gets to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's on the list. <laughs> now, these all are wood pattern. Is that my options? This is a wood, or do they have other design patterns? They started with wood because they say that's what the consumer has been demanding, and it's about 90% of the industry is purely wood patterns, but technology and everything else is getting more and more creative, so I'm seeing more tile looks, um, slate appearances. I've got several from Cortec that are very, very authentic. I had a lady a while back say, that's got to be slate, and in reality, it was a snap-together waterproof floor. Now, it says waterproof, and my thought on this is, I mean, these would look great on a lot of old gray patios. Can you put this in an exterior application? The the concern is the extremes in temperature. So when you get a direct sunlight, you're well over 140 degrees. So they have limitations on that. It could work on an Arizona room where you have direct sunlight. We're not too worried about that. But they are concerned about um, just pure outdoor extreme heat. Now, what kind of cost does this compare to you know, a traditional thin-set tile floor. It's actually right in line with most ceramic tile floors and actually a little bit less expensive, and that would be including material and labor to install it. Um, with a tile floor, you can spend upwards of 7 8 $9 a square foot for a glazed porcelain tile. You can be in the 6 to $8 a square foot range for this product installed. The beauty of these floors, this waterproof core system, is it can be laid and walked on the same day. For a tile, <laughs> usually you've got to set it one day, stay off of it, grout it another day, stay off of it, clean oh, it up. We used to try and get people to stay off of it for two weeks, and that <laughs> you know, that never happened. But that was always the they put you know stay off it for two weeks. You got to let it dry. Yes, we have done some home offices where we laid flooring up until say two or three in the afternoon. By five o'clock, it did move their furniture back in, and they're rocking and rolling. Man, that's incredible. That's got to do a lot for your install time. I mean, the installers have got to love this product. Yes. And if there's a bad cut, if a homeowner's doing their own job and they do a, a poor cut, it can be unsnapped and then re-retrofitted uh, and redone again. So this is a, a great quality product. And for a do-it-yourselfer, very forgiving because you're not messing with any adhesives or cement products that, you know, <laughs> once it's bonded, now you've got the demo side of things that – and start adding a lot more complications and talk about making a, a project go from bad to worse. <laughs> Certainly. It is more forgiving. You can uh, unassemble it, and a lot of times the problems are that the lines weren't kept straight, so this can be unsnapped and reassembled, and homeowners find it to be uh, quite easy to work with compared to the particle board cores from days gone by, the old Pergos. Once those edges were assembled once or twice, they crumbled, and so they were really not dimensionally stable 
uh, after being taken apart one time. Now, this may not be something you can answer without a site inspection, but here's a situation I'm dealing with. We've got a subfloor in the home, so we don't have a concrete pad. It's a, you know, we've got a concrete foundation, but then it's got a crawl space and your wood subfloor. The previous owners put in like a, it's not hardy backer, but it's like a hardy backer. It's a cement board to put tile on. Mm -hmm. Probably, I'm guessing we're do-it-yourselfers. Uh, those boards, they even have like little circles where you're supposed to put the nail. The it's like every six, six or eight inches. Or six Correct. inches. They put four inches, one for each corner. <laughs> so you've got this extremely loose cement backer board that's designed to take the tile. There's so much movement, it all popped up in a relatively short period of time. So ripped out the tile and went oh, and left the backer board there and put over just a floating laminate floor. It's decent, but I can tell in the next five years, especially in the kitchen area, and you know, our youngest right now is five, so we're going to at least wait till they're 10 before we, <laughs> <laughs> we put in new, yep. new floors. But something like this, I mean, would I have to go back and take out the backer board, or should I just sink more nails and put over the top or take it down to the wood substrate? The short answer is you'd need to know if there was mortar underneath that backer board sitting on the on the wood subfloor. If that was secured by mortar and there's no movement, if it doesn't crunch, we call it like walking on cornflakes. If it doesn't crunch and it doesn't show any deflection or movement, you should be able to install over that. I would still go back in with some um, drywall type screws and resecure <laughs> some more in there. Ring shank nails or drywall screws work really well. Um, the only challenge with drywall screws is you don't want to over-tighten because that will also break the backer board, and then that ruins the integrity of the securing system as well, too. And when we're talking floors, screws are inherently better than the nails. You, when the oh, squeaking certainly. you hear on wood floor are always from the straight nails that have started <laughs> to move in place. <laughs> I was on a job yesterday in Gilbert. The lady had had a water loss, and even her wood subfloor was squeaking. And she said, how do you get rid of that? I said, well, there are methods to address most of it, but it's not a guarantee. I said, most people just call it a poor man's security system. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, <laughs> the burglar just has to enter from that direction. <laughs> you got to know where the, the squeaky spots are. <clears throat> what are the big manufacturers that are putting this out? How many different different product lines are there? All of the major hard surface manufacturers have gotten in the game. That includes Armstrong. Mannington. Um, Shaw not only got into the industry because they're the biggest, but they were um, smart enough. They went out and found another existing company that was doing really well, and, then and they bought, bought them. them. <laughs> it was called U.S. Floors, and their brand name is Cortec, C-O-R-E-T-E-C, and it is probably the biggest and certainly has the most research and development and the most patterns. They have well over 150 patterns of different floors that are out there right now, and it's an exciting industry. I'm I've not been as excited about new floors like this in a good 10 years. Really haven't. We tell people that a lot when, you know, there's this new product comes out and it's brand new on the market and, uh, you know, no one else has it. And like, well, that can be a red flag. I mean, it Certainly. could be that it's just that new to the market. And But uh, if the big guys don't have it, because if it's worth anything, the big guy's going to buy it. <laughs> there you go. And Shaw did. They exactly did that. And there so are some it must really good... be something good if, if the big guys are out there acquiring it. So we'll talk a little bit more about the product and hard surfaces here at Rosie on the House with Vaughn Payne of East Valley Floors, a Rosie on the House certified partner. 
I'm going to say 2002 off the top 2001, of my head. 2001, I believe. 2001. Mm -hmm. So 18 years. Been a good run. Welcome back to Rosie on the House, talking floors and solid surfaces. And Vaughn, this happens all the time, and I've been telling Gary we've got to we've got to figure it out. We're off the air. The, the conversation is better than what we have <laughs> on the air. <laughs> yeah. uh, but and, you were saying as we were going onto the break you know, at the Las Vegas Convention Center, you know, they've got the flooring expo in January and some other recent products that have come and gone, or, or a different technique that had come and gone, and just the moisture content and whether it's carpet or wood or tile or I'm guessing even this, it says waterproofing, but I would guess water's the biggest enemy enemy of, sure. of even this floor. And this floor is designed where any spill from the top, what we call surface spills, uh, will not damage the floor. The problem is I just came from a job yesterday where they had a pipe break flooded the underneath whole main floor. floor. So it gets to the edge of the floor and then the water migrates back underneath. So you still have to remove the floor. If it's a minor thing, you might be able to remove this floor, dry it out, and then reinstall it. It just depends on the severity of it because a lot of times you get more damage to drywall and baseboards and things like that. And so that's when your homeowner's insurance would uh, usually step in and address that for you. And water does strange things. We, we need to figure out a way to pipe on the outside and only come. You know, all of our water-using fixtures are on exterior wall and they only reach, enter the home right there at that point of entry. That makes you a good idea. I'll give you an example. We built a custom home 20-plus years ago with a basement, and we made all of our piping, same idea, coming from the out. And then we took our sump pump, which, of course, moves the sewage from the basement up. We put that sump pump in the window well outside the house because I've been on hundreds of houses where the toilet backs up downstairs and the whole downstairs smells like you know raw sewage mm -hmm. and the insurance hassles and everything else. So... If the sump pump backed up at my house, it would have just gone into the window well, which is outside, which is a lot easier to handle. So, you know, if you're proactive and think things through, sometimes you can avoid a lot of heartburn. That's smart. The sump pump on the outside. And you would think that that would be a standard practice. <laughs> it was a few hundred more dollars to reroute the electrical and the plumbing and everything else. But, yeah, never have regretted doing that. Now, this application, it's flooring only. And you can put it on concrete. You can put it on second-story floors. Sure. Uh, wood subdecks. What else are y'all seeing out there? I mean, you wouldn't use this as a backboard to your uh, backsplash to your kitchen, probably. It's decorative or could be used as a decorative thing. I've seen a couple of houses where they put up a, a wall panel to make it look like a cabin because there are some real rustic planks that go together and they can have a real naughty, um, rough, rustic texture and look. Uh, that certainly can be done. And if this has a 50-year warranty on the floor, on the wall, you could get double that. <laughs> it would be there longer than we will be. Yeah. What do you cut this with? Because this doesn't look like a regular wood cutting blade. Correct. Would uh, leave a clean edge on it. If you want to do a fine cut or around a door casing where you're doing what we call a compound cut, you can use a jigsaw. You can use a small table saw. Um, if you're doing just a straight, what we call a butt cut or an end joint cut, you can just score it with a utility knife and snap it. Oh, wow. Because the top layer is the rigid part. And then once you've cut through that, that allows it to bend and snap. So it can be uh, faster and more efficient. Uh, we had a crew 10 days ago. They laid 550 feet of floor starting at 7 in the morning. They were done by 1. And if you start this project with a utility knife, 
<clears throat> and you've never done it before, about the first 200 cuts aren't going to be perfectly straight. <laughs> it's the 201th you start to get the hang of it and finish it all the way through that nine Exactly. <laughs> the other thing we recommend to customers is to make certain that they replace their baseboards when they put these floors in. That not only gives you an expansion joint on the perimeter, but it also hides those ugly cuts if you're doing it yourself. You can start with a rough cut. It hides under the baseboard. Baseboard top sets on top of that. And then your factory uh, joints all snap together, and they look nice and clean. Does this come with a matching baseboard, or you just go back to your regular wood or paint grade? Most people prefer a paint grade or a high grade taller baseboard. We're doing lots and lots of four and five inch high baseboards now, replacing the two and a quarter builder basic. There are moldings available if you transition from a waterproof core floor to a ceramic tile. There's a transition for that team moldings or reducers, things like that. You can also transition against carpet, and so it will be a very easy maintenance uh, issue, so you don't beat up the edges by doing that. If you're transitioning to a ceramic tile, do you have to build up the subfloor underneath this one to make the, the elevation equal? Yes, you can. A lot of people will just leave the two different heights and then put a transition, we call it a reducer, or a baby threshold transition to step it down so it's less noticeable. It's only a couple... Quarter inch. Okay. So that's that's pretty easy to hide with, a, like you said, a transition. Now, how you said this has got some of these up to 50 years. How old's the oldest one of these you've installed? Is it two years? Uh, five about years? four. Four years? Mm -hmm. In that four years, how much of your installs have transitioned to this, where it might have been 50% carpet, 50% tile? In the past, what what has this transitioned your business to? My industry and my business has kind of paralleled where it's gone up about 25 to 30 percent in the last four years. And I see this market continuing to grow another 20 or 25 percent. We're doing a little less wood, uh, a fair amount less tile and even less carpet. More and more people are doing just carpet and just bedrooms and preferring this product. It's a little more expensive up front, but it's a long term flooring solution. And you can, if you need that softer feel, you can solve that with area rugs. Certainly. Wrapping up our month-long focus on hard surfaces here with Vaughn Payne of East Valley Floors, it's Rosie on the house. I'm walking the floor over you. I can sleep the wink, that is true. Now, for anybody that's been listening to this I'm interview and you're looking for a new flooring and you're looking for a long-term solution, you should be pretty curious to check this out. What do people look for? Because you've got WPCs, you've got PSPCs, you've got MLFs, <laughs> you've got, uh, like you said, an infinite amount of acronyms. And I can imagine not all manufacturers are created equal. Uh, what would be some good resources to make sure we're going to get a quality product? I would look for a brand name that has a national reputation. There's a lot of companies that have kind of been a flash in the pan that are new on the market and maybe gone in a year or two. We like the traditional longer-term companies who will make a product and stand behind it if there's ever a defect or a problem area. And generally, the thinner products, the joint, the snap-together joint does not have as much strength, of course, because proportionally it's a thinner snap-together process. So a thicker floor, of course, is more desirable, a little more expensive generally, but the joints will absolutely uh, be critical. If you have any kind of 
say you wanted to move a piano across it or something heavy, um, you want to make certain the joints are real good and secure. So we have about six brands that we really like to use a lot because we've gone through the fire. We know the ones that have, have stood behind us when there's a, a concern or a problem. And sometimes it's not even a factory defect. It's just a homeowner you know, may have damaged something and not uncommon for our suppliers to say, here's a, a box of free material. Go make your customer happy. And I don't know my flooring manufacturers very well, and I'm looking through this uh, floor covering weekly that you brought in that from March of this year spent basically the entire article on these multi-layer type floorings. What what are some manufacturer names so that you said you have six you like? Mm-hmm. Cortec is the most premier brand name because it is owned by Shaw Industries. They inventory. I had a job the other day that was right over 5,000 feet. I called to check availability, and they had 60,000 feet of one color in L.A. So it was a one-day delivery and uh, turned right around. So Cortec is a, is a good brand name made by Shaw. Uh, we also do a lot with Gemcore. We do a lot with uh, Eternity and Paradigm. There are a couple of other brands that we use uh, as well. But Engineered Floors is getting more into the uh, hard surface industry. They've bought a plant in... Alabama, I believe, and are getting real serious. One company put $100 million into retrofitting a different plant that had been carpet only in Georgia, and they did strictly this waterproof type core product, and it will be a, a ongoing industry. This industry is growing leaps and bounds. And as the carpet sh- market is shrinking, you said a lot of the carpet guys are now trying to get into this as well. To- Certainly have an additional product line to compete with. Mm -hmm. I have several installers who have 20 years plus experience working just for us that are gradually transitioning and learning how to install hard surface flooring um, because that's that's really the the future of a lot of houses. You go to a model home today, for example, you won't see carpet except in bedrooms and maybe an occasional area rug, but hard surface is dominant through the main living areas. And there's a lot of reasons for it. The benefits, we haven't even rifled through all of them yet other than water-resistant and more long-term. But there's a lot more benefits there we haven't even shot through. Certainly. Yeah, it's getting closer to the perfect floor. What about the resources to make this material? You know, you carpet fabrics, you've got the wood planks, and a lot of those um, manufacturers – you know, do a lot of their own tree plantings to supply for their plank. And what, what, you said urethane. What, what? It's all, it's all <laughs> synthetic. Every bit of it is synthetic. And that's the beauty of it is that when we started getting away from laminate floors that had particle board in them, we stopped having water issues. We stopped having expansion issues, things like that. So these floors, whether it's a baby bottle that spills or a water bottle or anything like that, these are designed to take a lot of wear and tear. If somebody brings in a amateur to mop their floor, a house cleaner that's just gotten started, they really would work extra hard just to try to damage this floor. It would be very hard to do. But it's it's a synthetic core, and so it'll all be um, a process that is not uh, damaged by water or generally for heat, for that matter, in Arizona. Or cold if you're going to Flagstaff or Sholo where you're worried about cold and freeze-thaw issues as well. Well, very cool. Well, we appreciate you taking time this Saturday morning to help educate the listening audience. 
Uh, which acronym should I be using if I'm asking for this? <laughs> WPC is still the premier recognizable name. Okay. Waterproof course, which that kind of is a overarching name. Uh, there's an industry starting uh, a association called multi multi-layer flooring or MLF. That will be another process because this industry is changing at light speed. The hard surface flooring uh, is every month we're seeing new processes, and every company has their own proprietary processes. But generally, a uh, WPC nickname would probably be the easiest to refer to. Waterproof core. core. There you go. I like the sound of that. And you said price-wise, just to recap, it's pretty comparative to tile. Yes, if is. you're looking to hire it from a professional. Correct. The material costs more, so if you're looking to do it yourself, a tile might be a cheaper project. But the labor and install is cheaper, so from a professional, it kind of equals out it's, what... Yeah, it about washes out if we're installing it. But homeowners can install, say, a small room um, on a weekend without any problem at all. Shiny side up. <laughs> Shiny side up. I was going to say without any problem at all. Don't say that because that's going to get somebody started <laughs> on a project. Like this was not supposed to create any problems, and it may not have anything to do with the floor. But <laughs> that was what I learned in 1984: was shiny side up and get it close to the wall. <laughs> and then they start figuring out that uh, not all walls are square. They oh may my. look square, oh but my. when you start on one side and you get to the other, you're like, "Well, no, how? What? Wait, what?" <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's not yet been a perfect house built, so walls are rarely straight. We find that we go into a job site at framing stage. And the walls follow the chalk lines. Chalk lines are straight. Um, you come back six weeks later or two months later, and the lumber has dried more, even though it was kiln dried, and it warps and bends, and then your walls start moving again. So mm -hmm. it's a real challenge. <laughs> well, Von Payne, again, been a Rosie on the House partner for 18 years. We appreciate you spending Saturday morning to help educate uh, Arizona homeowners on the latest and greatest in flooring. And I'm, I'm, thinking in the next five years unless they come out with something better than this this is i'm, I'm sold it's the hard part is just going to be picking our color design because you've got great options and the project you showed from your home you actually used not one style but you integ integrated well, multiple different colors two colors of the same product and these products are all synthetic so they can be mixed where most engineered woods they don't want you to mix two colors together but my wife has a real great decorating taste and it turned out really well. I'm really happy with it. That was that was a sharp look. Yeah, thank you. Minus the dead dog thing on the floor. <laughs> he he's didn't sleeping. move for anybody. Yeah, he's he didn't move for anybody, photos he's, or otherwise. He's good at playing dead. There you go. Yeah. Now, we hardly give phone numbers anymore because people don't remember them like <clears> they used to. But eastvalleyfloors.com, you can find uh, Vaughn's information on our website, rosieonthehouse.com, under flooring. But you all also have a showroom. Somebody can come in, we do. touch, feel, play, look. Downtown Chandler, open by appointment, and we're happy to meet with people Monday through Friday and occasionally on Saturday, depending on what the workload is. What the is. workload is, yeah. <laughs> the workload from customers or the workload at home, either there, way. There you go. That's it. <laughs> well, thanks again, Vaughn, and for all the Rosie on the House listeners you've helped take care of and service over the years. At rosieonthehouse.com, under the flooring section, you'll find a couple of other uh, flooring partners, all both of which who have showrooms, Aztec, Marble, and Granite. You kind of heard a little bit from Casey, uh, either, I think it was two weeks ago, talking about the quartz countertop, and I got done and I said, man, were you all right? And he said, no, somebody kept calling me the whole time, and I couldn't hear you. I couldn't 
keep my train of thought. And he's like, my phone had been quiet all morning, and I got on the interview. But he was basically trying to say uh, most courts is fairly compet- <clears throat> fairly uh, comparable from one manufacturer to the next. What you really want to look for is the installer uh and he's an installer, so he might be just a wee bit biased. But if there is a problem with warranty, it's the installer that comes back out and is working on it, not the manufacturer uh, or the product provider, which is true. So there, there's a lot to be said in that. How well is a local installer going to come back and do that work? And then, you know, then it's his responsibility to work the manufacturer to get reimbursed if it is, in fact, a manufacturer's defect. But they've got a great showroom down by the ballpark uh, off the beaten path uh, on 8th Street, just one street over from 7th Street, just south of the ballpark. You would never know it was there. Uh, But you can make an appointment and go in and see the different rooms. They've turned their entire office into a beautiful showroom. And then if you're looking for tile mexican tile and stone we had on the broadcast and in fact we even had them on 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 january 26 talking about how to do tile as a do-it-yourself project so you can go back to that podcast and listen to it and you can also visit their showrooms they've got one in phoenix on greenway about 20th street north side of the road then they've got one in tucson uh right off the freeway West side of the road, you'd use the Prince exit, and then you come south on the frontage road. And both of those showrooms, like uh, like you said, tile is jewelry for the home. And if it's done right, it can last a long time and be a great, uh, great accent to the home. This wraps up our hard surface month for this entire month of April. If you look back through our blog and our radio archives, we've talked about uh, doing floor-friendly floor budgeting. Uh, that's when you really just need something done and you don't have a big budget to work with. Ideally, we like to do stuff that's much more long-term, uh, high-quality product, long-lasting, but that's not always uh, the reality. And sometimes you just have to live with it. Like, our floor isn't bad right now. It could be better, but I'm not going to replace it, like I said, until my youngest kid's 10 and that's five years away. It's just <laughs> we're not we're not showcasing or entertaining uh, you know, the uh, President Trump, <laughs> the floor is fine for what it is. It, uh, and when the kids grow up, we'll let the floor grow up a little bit. Uh, the, the second week, we talked about backsplashes. Uh, last week, we were live out at Sanderson Ford, so we got a little deterred, but we did get a good comparison of quartz versus granite along with other countertops that are suitable for uh, for a long-term for the home. And Butcher Block actually took... Uh, Took the top of a lot of our team members' lists. It's been, you wouldn't think a wood product, but it's, in most cases, it's not something that has to carry any load. Maybe the kitchen sink if it's on an island. Um, and well-designed and in a temperature-controlled environment, it does great. Uh, a lot of people think, I don't like wood. That's not true. I'm critical of wood as the structural support for the home. When people are building uh, two-by-four homes and... <laughs> Putting tile roofs that weigh hundreds of pounds on top of it. Uh, But interior wood that's quality controlled, where it's a decorative application, uh, you know, cabinets are structural to a a small extent, but, you know, doors and trim and 
mold and carpentry work. You know, that's all stuff that I do enjoy. Uh, it's just it's wood in the right place as long as it's not our structural integrity of our home. I, I have a lot of applications for wood. We got one final segment here at Rosie on the House and our on the house hour here at Rosie on the House. Next week, May 4th, on our broadcast in our 10 o'clock hour, our On the House hour, we kick off Remodeling Month. The whole month of May, we'll be talking about remodeling projects, uh, room additions, patio uh, to Arizona room conversions, outdoor living spaces, all things that we can do at our home castle or cabin, upgrading for an expanding family or downsizing for a shrinking family or uh, aging in place for the long-term perspective. So that'll be here, uh, starting with the cost versus value report, where we've got a really great in-depth interview we did with the publishers of cost versus value that can give you a great projection on what you can expect to get back uh, for different projects that you invest in on your home. Uh, markets vary dramatically. A uh, big part of that is just because, you know, an older market, something farther on the East Coast, their building is much more dense, a lot more condos, a lot more street apartments uh, versus out West where we've got bigger homes, more acreage. Well, the things we can do in those markets add value. What we can do in one market can add value to the home over here, but not in this market over there. So we've got a great regionalized down to uh, not only Arizona, but uh, they were able to get data that split Phoenix and Tucson. And what trickles into the mountains from there is fairly, fairly close, I would think. But it is a, it is a scary time in Arizona. I don't, I don't think I've been this, this nervous uh, since about, since about a decade ago, actually a little longer than a decade ago when the growth and development just seemed to be no end in sight. There was a real estate section brought back up, and I hadn't heard this talked about in a long time. But the supersized Arizona Suncor, which is basically a prediction that Phoenix and Tucson will be the same metropolitan city one day, and a sun corridor from Nogales up to Dewey. Okay, yeah, I lived in Dallas-Fort Worth for 10 years. <laughs> now, th- that makes more sense. You know, it's a huge metropolitan area, and all those little small towns that um, they're now part well, of I the whole you, metroplex. I think but, you even say it, Dallas-Fort Worth, Arlington now, don't uh, you? Yeah, Arlington. <laughs> but uh, the distance between those two cities and the distance here, this is the, what I'm questioning. That's, what, 121 miles uh, between? From uh, downtown districts, yeah. Districts. I'm just having a rough time wrapping around my head. Is this going to be the Dallas-Fort Worth of, of Arizona? 120 miles sounds pretty big, unless Eloy becomes like New York City or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is the third year in a row Maricopa County is the fastest-growing county in yep. the nation mm-hmm. and followed by Clark County, which is Las Vegas, and all of the top 10 fastest-growing counties are in the south or in the west. Wow. A lot of those people coming to Maricopa are coming over from 
California. California. So there's the same water supply. I was just thinking of the Beverly Hillbilly song, you know, California is the place you ought to be. Well, that's changed now because oh. a lot of folks are moving from California to Arizona. Microsoft um, pays $37 million for more land in the West Valley. I don't remember the total number of what they've already bought. Mm. Uh, they've got a huge expansion plan for the West Valley, huge community. Uh, they do tout it as a net zero, high water efficiency, sustainable, regenerative, blah, 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 blah. But uh, who knows? A lot of that is just uh, in the way that the press release is presented right. to make you not nervous about the, the massive growth plan. It creates sad stories like this. You know, you've got North in the North Valley, the New River Desert Hills Incorporation Committee trying to incorporate New River Desert Hills. Getting huge pushback from the majority of the residents live there, who moved out there to be out of an incorporated city, yeah. and you know it just it, it's just going to keep creeping. How far can you move and still? I'm looking at the the future when we do an Arizona staycation at the beautiful resorts in Superior, Arizona. <laughs> it's not so far fetched after reading it, that story. <laughs> it'll be uh, slope side lots on the pit mine eventually. Right, right. <laughs> the open pit mine, but you know it, it's. Well, what can you do? And unless you've got this kind of, of investment, you, you can't combat it. Blackstone Real Estate just spent $55 million on mobile home parks in the Phoenix metropolitan area. You think they spent $55 million on mobile home parks to keep them mobile home parks? Oh, no. No. It's no. going to be like that mobile home park that's a Costco now on Cave Creek and, and the 101. Yeah. But that's not the only money. This is a New York-based company. That, that's not the only money they've spent over the last few years. They bought an apartment complex in Peoria for $67 million. In October, they dropped $158 million for apartments in Tempe, $357 million the year before on seven other apartment complexes wow. in Phoenix. I mean, the big money is coming to Arizona, and it, it makes me a little nervous, Gary. Yeah. I don't know what to think of it yeah. all. Canadian developer just broke ground on a 1,300-acre property that they're putting 3,700 homes on in the West Valley. It's the same developer that built the Eugene, which is part of Hudson Yard, a big district in New York going in. What remains to be seen? It's going to be an interesting time, an interesting place. I don't know what the future holds, but I can tell you this. We'll be back here next Saturday to help you work through it all and make the most out of your home, castle, or cabin. Till then, be thankful for the God above you, those beside you, and the life before you.